Hi there. Hi there. As David is whispering to me because <laughs> we are together in person. Woo! Yay! Welcome to Silhouette JB Podcast or Podcast, as yes, we like to say. We are exactly. also plugging Oh Hello, the Podcast by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Go listen to that yeah, podcast, guys. We plug them every other episode. It's They're so, fantastic. It's so f- the fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> They're Toyota terrific. <laughs> No sense. But it's fine. So we are Silhouette's Davey Podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey Boys, both the show and the movie. And today is our Valentine's Day episode. How is it already February? Dude, I don't, I don't know. What? Where is the time? You Okay. Let me know if this is how you like perceive the world or time right now. And like our guests, like, please chime in uh, how you feel about this. Like stuff from like the summer and like post April feels like 10 million years ago. hundred percent. I don't like, 100%. I don't, yeah. Like I like, but then stuff from like December, like last, last December, like December 20, like feels like regular. Like it's, oh yeah. Like it was December, 2019. Like that was great. Oh, but, but 2019 like, feels like that never even happened. Some days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It really does depend on the actual event. Okay. I, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, the drowsy chaperone feels like a million years ago. And for the record, uh, David was Robert, Ma- Robert Martin. Robert Martin. In the drowsy uh-huh. chaperone. Yeah. Last, last March. Last March. Right before COVID. Yeah. Hit, so. We just, yeah. um, we are celebrating almost like a week that like a week a year ago today that we started rehearsals yeah yes we're Um, recording this on january 31st and then a a week a year ago tomorrow will be the first time that gia and i saw jersey boys together knowing each other that was today 31st today is the 30th 30th. that's see it's your friend anniversary yeah, that, that was awkward. That was like forgetting an anniversary She's right like, there. I did? I did. I know, I know. Well, our friend anniversary is November 5th. Third. Yep. Third. So sorry. <laughs> it's and okay. Then, yeah, I keep thinking, see, see quarantine, right? I keep thinking today is the 31st and not the right. So. Yeah. So 31st, we I saw apologize. we saw Jersey Boys at New World Stages. And it was an it was an awesome experience. Um, we got in the Zoom studio today. Right, this is We've a got mess. Uh, <laughs> bag. Yeah. Yeah. Been blown. Whoops! Exactly. <laughs> Whoops! Exactly. It's a big whoops. Yes. Meow meow meow. When did you start saying Jenna? When did you start saying meow meow meow? You said you it last night. Me. You yes. say it all the time. <laughs> but for a minute, I was like, "Do I say that?" Yes. Do you do you know where it comes from? Keith White. Absolutely, Keith White. Keith White, really? That was a that was a total guess. I was like, he would say something yeah. like that. That's yeah. so he funny. That's so funny. Well, so you, well, yeah. uh, Jenna said it last night during soundcheck, and dude, like, cracked up. Like, oh, that's that's a really meow, good meow, meow, meow. I love it. I do yeah. say yeah, I do I, say I, it no, so I, often that I don't realize. I guess that I say it. We, we went to dinner, meow, 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 <laughs> and then came home. Right, it's, it's much better than blah blah blah. Do you guys watch the marvelous? So much better than blah blah blah. Yeah. Do you guys watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? When 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 they go to France to go to to go to pick up Rose, she, uh, uh, Abe is like, uh, so a- Abe is telling Miriam to come home, telling Mitch to come home, and so he's like, come home, now, now, now. Right, yeah. So, yeah. She's like, she's like, now, he's now, now, now. brilliant. Yes. Well, to bring it back 
home to Jersey Boys. Everyone knows we're talking to today. Jersey Boys power couple. We got Keith Hines and Jenna Schoen. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You may have seen them most recently on NBC's One Night Only, The Best of Broadway, last month. And, of course, the Who Loves You and Oh, What a Night opening and the Big Three. The Big Three, the yeah. They've both been with Jersey Boys since 2015 on the second national tour where they met and started dating. Uh, Jenna has performed as a swing and as Francine. Keith swing, pl- our favorite, yeah. by the way. Uh, swing day was January 27th, right? It was. Yes, yeah, happy go. swing there day. There we go. It was, Thank you, guys. Of course, of course. Happy swing day. That's the dream to be a swing. Uh, and Keith played Nick Massey on the second national tour. He did it at New World Stages, and he did the regional premiere at the Muni... Awesome. Yep, yep, and he's yep. been at the Muni twice, and twice. we can't wait to yeah. talk about that. Uh, they got engaged in 2019. Jenna and Keith are here to talk about their Jersey Boys experiences and how they can't take their eyes off each other. Aww. <laughs> Yay. And we're neighbors, which is the craziest thing. We both live in Astoria. It's awesome. And Keith, well, I actually have a story about how I met Keith mm. on the train. This is a great story. Yes. Keith, should we tell the people <laughs> our story? Let's, tell, let's let them know. I was on the 7 train, and I stopped at Queensboro Plaza, where I was behind Keith and somebody he was talking to, one of his friends, and I overheard them just talking about theater. So we both got into the same car on the M train. Just as the door is about to open, like the ding dong, I, oh, I miss that sound. Wow. Me too. And so I, I walk up to both of them and I, and I say, I'm like, you know what, you guys, I feel like, like, hi, I'm so sorry, I'm Gia, and I'm going to eavesdrop, um, but I couldn't help but hear you hear your conversation. Have you seen Jersey Boys? I was talking to the other gentleman, and and I said, I, I really think you would enjoy it. That would definitely like give you a different perspective on on musicals. And and then Keith looks at me. He's like, wait are you involved with the show? And I said, I, I hope one day that's the dream. And he's like, well, I'm a season. And I said, who are you? And then he said, I'm Keith like, Hines. Exactly. I, I don't, yeah, yeah I, it, it was just such a small world. Uh, the fact that you happen to be right there, close, right there. listening, and, and love Jersey Boys man. and chimed mm-hmm. in. Those are the beauties uh, of New York. You definitely got yeah. a slow burn from me. Like, <laughs> what are the chances of all the shows you could have suggested in this moment was mm-hmm. that one that I am probably doing in about three hours? It's, it's just Unbelievable. It was very cool. It was awesome. Um, yeah. By the way, the night that we got engaged, we he had arranged for us to go. We actually got engaged in the place where we like started dating-ish, kind of, uh, in Toronto Aww. with the show. No, Aww. no, it wasn't ish. It was the very place. <laughs> Sorry. The same night, four years later. Okay, to, yeah. To the oh, day. yes, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot. To the it day? Was, it was to the day, yes. Wow. And so New Year's Eve, like, what else, you know, we were like, oh, we're alone, like, let's go. And he took me to this fun dinner, we had a great time. But mm-hmm. long story short, so we got engaged at the same place, what, how many years later? Four years. Four to years the day. later to the day, he happened wow. to be working on Disney Cruise Line, and that's where they rehearsed in Toronto. Right. So I was like, I have to go. I was actually supposed to work the show that week, and I told him, I was like, I can't, you know, we have this trip planned, whatever. So I go to visit him, and whatever we get engaged go out to dinner or we go to a bar afterwards and we run into our stage manager who was only there like our first couple of weeks on tour we like walk into the bar like seconds after we got engaged like ready like shots or whatever you know and we turn the corner and he's right there eye contact with jay carey 
And we're like, oh my God. What are the chances of all the bars we could have stumbled into in Toronto? The stage manager that was there like went when we first joined the show. Then the next day we go out to breakfast again, like night after we got engaged and there's Jersey Boys posters like everywhere in Toronto. <laughs> like what the heck? Like, okay, this is weird. The show was going there later that year. Later that day, we're walking home from our brunch. We run into our company manager. What? Who we had oh at gosh. the exact same time we met. It, it was crazy. It, wow. And it's just another example of how serendipitous these Jersey Boys relationships can in be. Canada. Exactly. In Canada. Like, what are the chances? That's unbelievable. Anyway. See, Jersey Boys brings people together. And we always say, like, once a part, like, like, if you know someone who also loves the show, like, you're friends with them forever. Or if you're in it, it, it really yeah. is a family. But if it's a fan family or what we've learned with the actual cast and crew, like, you guys stick together and things always happen in the coolest yeah. way. Mercury yeah. was indeed in Taurus. Taurus. Yes. Come on now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, hey. Hey. No, no, no. So now that we're talking about the night you got engaged, Keith, how exactly did you pop the question? Sips water. <laughs> so I know that was perfect timing. Yes. Take, a, take a nip. Um, I knew that I was going to be there four years to the day. And that was an opportunity I couldn't waste. And I knew that I was going to do it at some point, but I didn't necessarily know. So when I realized, when I put two and two together that we were going to be there on the day, I had to do the hardest thing, the thing I was most nervous about, <laughs> even more nervous than asking Jenna, was asking her dad. I felt like asking her dad was asking to marry Jenna. Like more than asking Jenna to marry me was asking to marry <laughs> Jenna. So I was working on Beauty and the Beast in Houston and I can remember laying in bed and thinking about, oh, I'm starting rehearsals in Toronto on December the 31st. Wait a second, December, that's exactly four years. And I like sat up in bed. And I was like, I have to ask Jenna's dad now. I have to start planning. So I like start pacing this apartment that I'm in and I'm like rehearsing like I'm rehearsing a script for a big audition coming up, figuring out exactly what I want to say. And I'm sweating. It's so cliche. It's right out of a movie. Just pacing, pacing, like practicing the monologue to a wall. And long story short, he couldn't have been any more awesome. Um, and, and so we put this plan together. Jenna's mom and Jenna's dad, my mom and my dad flew to Toronto without Jenna knowing and we're hiding in the bushes in the pouring down <laughs> like, rain. But actually hiding in bushes watching us get engaged. It, the rain was coming down cats and dogs. <laughs> you know those moments when so much goes wrong and yet it is just the most special memory in hindsight? It was, it was almost a comedy of errors. Uh, you know, the photographer was 45 minutes late so I had to just wander Jenna around the sidewalk while my parents, <laughs> all four of them were hiding in bushes you know, we got these fancy tickets to celebrate and see in Tower, uh, you know, so we could like watch the fireworks and watch the city on New Year's Eve. And it was gray out clouds, couldn't see a thing. We may as well have been in some Starbucks somewhere. <laughs> so it was just all of these funny little errors, but it somehow they added up to this incredible experience that I'll never forget. It's the first time my, our parents had met each other. Really? It was, it was oh, amazing. wow. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. But there, there's another funny element and you know I hope Mr. Sean doesn't listen to this because he probably won't love that I share this but like it doesn't it, 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 it doesn't stick in my in my side or anything it's just funny um, you know Life 360? yeah yeah so mm -hmm. Mr. Sean and Jenna share Life 360 
And Je I get a phone call at the airport, and Jenna's like, why is my dad in Toronto? Oh. Uh, and yeah. I, we just, like, hung up with Jenna, called her parents. We had to go into this huge problem-solving, how are we going to manipulate my Jenna? My mom into... was like, no, we're, we're in Atlantic City. I'll send you a picture of the hotel. So she's, like, photoshopping <laughs> picture. pictures. She sends me a picture that clearly was from Google of, like, the yeah. Atlantic City boardwalk, and then a picture of her hotel bed. And I'm like... Okay. We waged emotional war on Jenna. I felt horrible. No, it was good that I knew, though. I feel like it was good. It was a good thing. How did the, the love spark? My first memory is her walking into a company meeting. And I, you know, Keith White, meow, meow, meow. He, they went to school together. And he showed me a picture of Jenna. And that's the first time I'd ever seen her. And I can just remember thinking that this was not good for the workplace environment. I already knew there was danger on the horizon. Aww. And then He was still new. He joined like what, two months I, before I did? I joined in like September, September, maybe August or September of 14 and she joined in November. October. October, November. November, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was still new. Uh, and when she walked into company meeting one day, just like a total smoke show, I was Aww. like, I'm gonna lose my job. There's no way that I can, <laughs> stamp these impulses down i'm gonna you know this is and and then really truly the rest was history i love it that's good yeah. and jenna you felt the same way at the beginning kind of yeah i guess yeah. so yeah yeah it just clicked sometimes it just clicks oh, yeah, with for people sure. yeah we started yeah. hanging out it was so fun we just never stopped yeah, yeah. We really the first we started dating like i, I wouldn't even say dating we one of us, we argue about this all the time. Someone left their credit card at the previous bar. We were on a bar crawl. I thought she left her card. Apparently it's me. I don't know. I'm just going to forfeit this by well, you you know, know, happy wife, happy life and all. I got a journal entry that I wrote like way back when I joined the tour. And I wrote like, oh, that Keith Hines guy. I feel like he really can't stand me. Really? <laughs> and I found it like two weeks ago. And I was like, you have to hear this. That's so funny. It was probably, you know, intimidate. I was intimidated by her. So I was oh, nervous okay. and that read as, you know, playing coy or being distant or whatever. But yeah, he was, he was good friends with Keith who I had known from school and I feel like we just started hanging out and yeah, Keith White we just had rescued Jenna from a burning building. <laughs> what? <laughs> Something like that. When we were in college, the building that I had lived in, I moved in to the apartment and didn't sleep one night in it before it went on, on fire. On her first night, <gasps> her apartment catches on fire. And so Keith White runs into the burning building, throws her over his shoulder, fireman style, no, running down the stairs. Like the building's blowing up behind him and he, they both dive onto the grass and they're safe. It was amazing. All heroic. Sure, okay. It was and a the, little a little less God. superhero than that, but he definitely he definitely was like, Jisha, watch out! Well, you know, well thank God doing for Keith. Together. Oh my gosh. And, the, and this was in yes. Boston when you were at Boko, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Oh my gosh. Now that we, like, we, we have like, the, the love story love of story. Ruin, um, let's also talk about how you both caught the theater bug. So Jenna, I know you're from Long Island. When did you first fall in love with theater? What's your story? When I grew up always seeing shows and I can't really think of a moment in particular mm -hmm. where I was like, I'm going to do this. It, I think I just was born and was like, oh yeah, like this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. I have Thank a question. God. As... As um, fellow music nerd, as fellow musical theater nerds, I want to have. Do you have a favorite overture from a musical? 
Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I thought you were going to ask me favorite musical and I was already like, what is it? What oh, is it? no, no. Um, I, we, we all know it's Jersey Boys. Is it really cliche if I say that Wicked is Overture is really good? But also, I really like West Side Story. Yes. That yes. one in particular is one I remember seeing the show frequently and always. It just like... Oh, you saw it frequently? I'm so jealous. Yeah, that's definitely oh, my, was... one of my top overtures, too. I love that. That's my second favorite musical. I mean, but the, the, any, for me, it's the Anything Goes Overture. Mm, that's, I, oh, that's the thing. Like, I can't say every musical. I'd be like, oh, that one. Oh, right. that one. Like, I, have, yeah. I have my, my top two. The n- number two is um, The Drowsy Chaperone. Bum, 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 bum. So you like, you like, like the, like the, uh, like how would you, no wonder, because you also like Guys and Dolls. I feel like, I, I, right. can get, I get your style. So, yeah, Runyon Land is also up there, but it's not, maybe it's top three, but top two are Drowsy Chaperone and then the Overture to South Pacific, that five and Very a half fast. minute That's, Overture. I, I was going to say South Pacific too. So, for, I think for all of us, like, we love the classics, but we also really do appreciate the depth of modern musicals and the new style, and we're welcoming anything. That's the beauty of musical theater. It can be whatever you want it to be. You know, how do you keep Broadway alive? You keep Broadway alive by making sure the tourists are interested in buying tickets. Um, and, and I just don't know... I think it's important to keep this contemporary flair. And I also think it's important to avoid the lack of creativity of movie musicals. You know, of course... The, uh, the tourists are going to want to see them because their kids want to see Frozen. But I think one of the really exciting things that live theater has to bring to the table is, is uh, theatrical innovation, you know, new ideas. Uh, um, so I would love to see in the future, the, the future development of, of the musical theater community, more contemporary stuff and original stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and I, you, know, you know which musical really did that so well bandstand mm. bandstand I is the that. epitome the epitome yeah. you're we were so right you're so right yeah jersey boys took i mean took the mold of jukebox musicals bio bio musicals and they were like okay so we, we know how y'all did it before but here's how we're gonna do it right yeah. and <laughs> yeah and, and, it's, it's not my and it's not, and then and then beautiful, beautiful followed suit, and and we have the share show now. Right. We have Motown, and, so and it's great. I, I think, but no, I think nothing golden, is going to be like Jersey Boys. The Golden Three right now: number one, Jersey Boys; number two, Beautiful; number three, Ain't Too Proud. What do Th- you guys? Those think? are the gold standard. I think I, I think I agree with that. And yeah. one, I, I also one, unpopular opinion. I really love share show, and I really love summer. And yeah. everyone makes fun of me, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, oh not too much. Fantastic. I enjoy it like a pretty woman too. That's in the same vein as well. A, it's so a, enjoyable. I have a, I, love it. I have a very similar Gia Keith story with Cory Jacoma. This is the first time I met Keith also um, on the when the tour came to Miami in 2017. I was at the opening night and you guys had that party. So after I got home, I posted this status on Facebook about the show and like there's this one guy on my Facebook who just doesn't shut his mouth he just doesn't shut his mouth and he just he was just he was just saying shit about the show about like oh it's a jukebox musical it's shit it's this it's that it's and so i started like defending it like putting down like well thought out arguments about right. bio musicals and you know and 
this guy just kept shitting on it and Corey was like, dude, hi, Bob Gaudio here. And he, <laughs> and he just, he came, he came to my defense and so cool. it was amazing. So did you guys enjoy tour life? Everyone has a different opinion on it. I think it was, I think it was extra special because we had each other. I think mm-hmm. sometimes the hardest thing about being on tour is being away from your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for me, it was my first job out of school. So, or like for first big job really out of school. So I was like riding high, like, this is amazing. Like first experience. And then by the time that started to wear off, I had like my best friend with me. So I think that definitely helped. And that group, like we really had a special, we're still very close with most of the people we worked on that, that tour with. It was definitely unlike any other experience I've yet to have. So I think it was a special, special tour. You, you guys, um, there's, there's uh, for of our listeners, please check out, um, there are these beautiful videos of the cast singing these beautiful arrangements of songs like Somewhere Over the Rainbow and Silver Bells arranged by Taylor Peckham. It's so um, amazing. And I mean, that, a, a lot of that core group ended up moving to New World Stages, which is pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. And so please, please check out those videos. Um, they um and we will post them in our link tree yeah so you can check them and uh they uh, taylor wrote um taylor wrote the arrangement of somewhere over the rainbow for keith's grandfather yeah right. keith can you tell us about that well first of all i gotta say that i think taylor is one of the most gifted composers i've ever worked with and um and the same goes for for him as a music director too uh one of the things i miss most about tour is working with him, he took it upon himself to organize, um, you know, kind of like a, I guess he would call it a men's choir. He would make arrangements of some of the songs from the show, some of the, some songs not from the show. And we would go to nursing homes and, and children's hospitals, and we would sing these arrangements. Um, and that really, you know, you were talking about tour life and tour life can get a little monotonous. It's like, City, 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 rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. These, these experiences really shook things up and added some spice um, to, to, our, to our week every week. Um, so anyway, he, he just had a, a, a knack for bringing everybody together. Um, and I miss singing his music. So when my grandpa was um, dealing with cancer, I, he and I have always loved uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And so I went to Taylor and I said, listen, this is what's going on with my grandpa. I'd really love to, you know, for us to sing a song for him. And I asked him to make an arrangement. Uh, And he did. And it was incredible. Um, You know, it's very crunchy and complicated. It took us a long time to learn. Um, And then we put it on video and we sent it to him. And I have this video of my grandpa seeing it for the first time. And, you know, he was just like, he, he, he was saying that, the, you know, he, he can't comprehend how we, we, were, we, we do that. Uh, you know, he knows enough about music to understand how complicated it was um, and to appreciate the work that must have gone into it. And he just said that the memories that, that he and I have together were cascading, were his words. The memories just keep cascading and oh, cascading. Wow. Um, so that was a really special thing. And I'll always be grateful to Taylor for writing it and uh, the guys for singing it with me. And... and those, those are those are special memories. Ooh.
And you guys sang the intro. That's not usually correct ever anywhere, except yeah. if you actually know the show, because Judy yeah. Garland doesn't sing it in the right. movie. But yeah. that is one of the most beautiful intros to a song ever. And mm. and Keith, <laughs> to backtrack a little bit more, you were a sports guy growing up. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. I've always been a sports guy. I still love sports. Sports is a big part of my life. Um, but I wasn't really a sports guy growing up. Of course, being in Oklahoma, football is what people eat, drink, and sleep. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel like my trajectory into the arts was manipulated by God. You know, he it had had I grown into... I went through puberty very late. I was a boy soprano at the age of 16. Really? Love that. Love that. <laughs> so at, at like 15, 16, I was this prepubescent, you know, husky, very unathletic. You know, I had zero testosterone in my blood. And, and all of the other <laughs> boys that were growing into men were becoming these bohemoths. And these are still the guys, 
you know, that I'm in football practice with, and I would get tossed around like a rag doll by these guys. Oh, no. <laughs> so much so that I would dread football practice throughout the day. Nice. Well played. Um, yeah, well played. Um, so that, that dread uh, associated with just getting beat up really helped switch my focus from athletics in Oklahoma to the arts. And then the musical you know, then Oklahoma. Just, yes, and the state Oklahoma. And then, then it was just a snowball effect. I went to school for musical theater and uh, at Oklahoma City University, where I studied with Florence Birdwell, who is the same voice teacher that people like Kristen Chenoweth and Kelly O'Hara. Yeah, the greats. You know. Yes. You, you. Right up there, buddy. You <laughs> tell that story where that. They, they took you by the collar and they were like, you got to practice. You got to put in yeah. the work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there was definitely this part of me because I was that, you know, prepubescent Husky boy in high school and all, all these other guys that were the football stars, they were, you know, getting the girls and going to the house parties and they were doing all <laughs> these things. And, and so when I got to college and I started stretching out a little bit and I started looking a little bit more like they did, I really coveted those experiences. So makeup lab and stage combat and you know my my opera lessons these just were not what i was considering my focus at the time it was more like coors light and pasture parties and you know getting dates with as many girls as i could just really but you know what i defend it to this day because i feel like being a good artist is understanding the human capacity right and, and had I not taken the time to have those experiences, I'm not sure that I would have achieved the depth in my craft that I've been lucky enough to kind of find over time. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm glad for those years. But Florence Birdwell definitely did grab me by the collar and shake me for dear life. <laughs> so what... It's football to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what is your technical voice part? What's your range? Um, I, I, would say, I would say a baritone. Um, or bass baritone, and then of course the the bass range is accessible. I don't like using it as much. I feel like when I sing, when I when I use the that low register, I get it's I get stuck down there. It it brings my range down, and there there isn't a huge market for basses in musical theater, uh, and so I really like to avoid getting stuck down there. Um, but I also don't have a B flat, so I don't know. That the range has always been a bit of an issue for me. What's because I the lowest note, and correct me if I'm wrong. The lowest note that Nick has to sing is that low E in um, in uh, Sunday Church kind of thing. love. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an E so flat. Um, but yeah, because I, I mean it, it, it's Maybe so interesting. Not. You would know better than I would. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, but I think that's that's the lowest note I think, and it that so that's that E on on the bottom. But what's interesting is, so many people who have played Nick Massey, like, um, like Matt Bogart and Bobby Spencer, they're te- they're like tenors. I mean, oh. Matt Bogart played Radames, and Bobby Spencer played the Rum Tum Tugger. What? <laughs> My, chore- <laughs> my choreographer for Drowsy was on the third national with Bobby Spencer as the rum tum tug. And I'm like, that is the last thing Maybe I would, would ever think. associate. <laughs> and then, and then in, in next Massey to, and, rum tum right, and, and, and then, I mean, in next to normal, he's singing G's and A's. 
you yeah. know? So it's so just dark. so, it's just so interesting. So this is your role, Keith. Well, Jenna, let's talk about Genius. you as, and as a swing and how maybe even taxing that is, you know, for you because swings are the entire show, people. Like this, this is huge. So, like, what what's your range and how do you approach um, just staying healthy through your run? Um, I don't know. I feel like the most singing I did in that show was actually on the tour because. The girls used to double all of Frankie, like the whole show, and they don't do that anymore. Mm, right. Right. So that was definitely, I feel like, the most vocally taxing, but I've never felt super vocally taxed doing that show in particular. I feel like it's very, like, kind of just how I sing. I've done other shows where I'm like, I have to do a full warm up regimen, and I can't do this show if I haven't warmed up, and I can't drink the night before, and I have to watch what I eat. But I've never felt that way vocally, at least with the with this show. Really, like, it's just, I think something about the show, and this is not really to speak to the vocals, but it's a very, like, pedestrian-like show. I feel like you can kind of walk into it. You don't really need to. It's, it, it feels very natural. Like, wouldn't you agree? Hmm. I feel like it's just, like, real people just, like, doing their thing. And there's not really, I feel like, a world that you need to be super, like, into. In it. I've always felt that way about the show. That, that could be a product of being from Long Island. Maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I've always felt that way. Like when we would do the show in Atlantic City, I feel like I'd be talking to people backstage before the opening and just like have a conversation and be like walking into the opening and it felt like the same environment. It didn't feel right. like we were like, okay, now we're off stage. Now we're in Jersey Boys. You know, of course there's that hyper focus, but I think it kind of just, it's a very natural show, you know? There's yeah. nothing super like theatrical about it so yeah in that way i've never felt super taxed by it like like i know the boys are they have a whole different you know it's much different but that's also coming from the mouth of the girl who went from jersey boys to wicked totally different worlds totally Totally different different worlds yeah so how so well, that's a complete, and that's the kind of thing where, like, I really feel like you can't, you can't just, like, waltz on stage as a regular person. You're entering a completely different universe. Like, those, those, um, those characters are, they're, like, mythical creatures, you know? Like, I'll be playing right. a goat sometimes in that show. <laughs> yeah. Also, how many tracks do you cover in that show? Six. So, yeah, Six. Just, yeah. And also that show vocally, like, you cannot... You, mm-hmm. you absolutely, I've never been more regimented in my life before with right. that show. Steve, okay, well, that's yeah, good to know. Yeah. yeah. Stephen yeah. Aremus don't, Stephen Aremus did not play around when writing those He is not playing, and I'm the vocal swing, so it, it there's a huge, oh, wow. I feel like it's a similar, similar to your, your story where it's like the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs. And right. Wow. Yeah, and like, it's very there, different. There's mm-hmm. so much vocal coloring going on in that show like in in regards to to the dynamics and everything i mean like that huge uh i mean the one that always comes to mind is that huge sforzando that you guys sing um during no one mourns the wicked um well we miss when we miss be hey and they're really important <laughs> Like those yeah. are you gotta you gotta know how to. I've never those. really done those before. Yeah. Again, like if one person misses the sportsando, it's game over. Game over. That's no, game it over. really is. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, when we did when when I did in the heights. There's that big sforzando at the end of Blackout, at the end of Act One. So it goes, light up the night sky. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And you always feel really silly doing it. Like imagine having to do that as like you know they always joke, oh, when you're doing your mic check and you don't know what to say. And you're like, yep. oh, I, I don't know, I don't really have any lines in the show. But like, imagine having to do that by yourself for like a mic check. <laughs> I have, I have That'd a very, so cool. I have a story that I'm very proud of. <laughs> like literally, I have, a, I have a story that I'm very proud of. So when we were doing Drowsy, um, there's a song as we stumble along where we're singing backstage. So yeah, so we're, we're singing harmonies backstage accompanying Drowsy and um, the music director asked me to conduct everyone so that, so that we all stayed together. So, um, and so my, do, do you know who Robert Felstein is? Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was our music director at Rutgers and like amazing, he's amazing. He reads sheet music like it's fucking newspaper. It's amazing. So he was like, David, just do what you do. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, there's a great opportunity to add a sforzando here. Can I do it? He's like, do it. So um, I asked Gia after the show, cause she came to opening night. I was like, did you hear the sforzando that I added in? And she was like, yes. I heard did it. it read? And it was did it like, hear the sports Sando. <laughs> like I, well, now I know what it's called. That's, so that's one of my favorite vocal that like vocal coloring mm-hmm. techniques. Me so too. where was it exactly? Um, yeah. So it goes. Um, ooh, okay. I have to. I have to sing the harmony in my head. Ooh, 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 ah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like Frankie. Like ooh. ooh, 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 ooh ah. <laughs> So we're just going to take a short little break. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're back. We're back. Oh, like in full house. There you go. We're back. You know what? Yes, with Jenna Schoen and Keith Hines. It's been a month since we've we've done a recording and... We apologize. Yeah. We've had content bank. Which has been good. Yes, we've good. had content banked, but like good recording. For you guys. What do you yeah, consistent God. like once every two weeks? Every two what? weeks, Sunday yeah. kind of love. Every two weeks. Yeah. So so we yeah we um, we publish every two weeks, but we we're usually recording every week, and then yeah. we try to have at least like five ready to go in case exactly. we take a little break in between. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got Jenna Shawin, <laughs> Keith Hines. In the Zoom studio. Yes. So let's please, again, we're, we're going backwards today, and that's totally fine. And we would love to hear about your audition stories. Keith, you auditioned for Bugadio originally. Is that correct? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, please walk us through what happened. Yeah, that, you know, in hindsight, that it, it's like, what? You know, it's, it's a <laughs> shot out of left field. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and this is getting real personal going back that far. But it was at the time Eric Woodall was casting, mm. and uh, and at the time I was represented by a manager named Arnold Manjoli, who was also a casting director, and uh, will forever be someone very special to me. Anyway, I go in for the audition and I leave. A little while later, you know, day or two, whatever, I get a call from Arnold, and he says he and Eric spoke, and that I I can't, I have no acting chops. Uh, <gasps> I, need to, Rude? I need to get my, yeah. That, Wait, well, say what his quote. He said his exact words and like, they still hurt today. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, 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 it's okay. Like, 
it, it was ultimately an extremely valuable catalyst. Uh, it changed my artistic journey. Uh, he said that I couldn't act my way out of a paper bag. No! Uh, but isn't yeah. it kind of funny, like, that we're in a movie? Like, you're amazing. I love him. He's, like, my favorite actor well, and, ever. And it's okay, but it, it's okay saying this because that inspired me. I went back to school. This is after having a bachelor's and a master's in musical theater. And it was true. Wow. Coming out of a musical theater program where half mm -hmm. of our work was an opera performance, you know, I had some classes in Meisner, but everything was very presentational. It was very musical theatery. So that, that comment really woke me up. And Arnold put me in touch with this, uh, a guy named Jade McCarty who runs uh, an acting studio here in New York City called The Studio New York. And a lot of their faculty double at NYU and Yale and Juilliard. So I spent two years studying in this acting school. And I learned more about what it is to be an artist and an actor in those two years than I did at six years at OCU. And part of that could be the fact, wow. like I was saying earlier, that I was more interested in Coors Light and pasture parties, but um, <laughs> I, I, I really did. This, this, this program changed my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I came out, you know, just, just an, truly an artist. And that's when, shortly after, I auditioned for Nick Massey. And, you know, it was, th this time my hang up, I made it through all the singing calls, all the acting calls, all the stuff, and then I get to the dance call. Okay. Um, and so this time that's my hang up. And of course I get cut. Uh, and, uh -huh. and, you know, I, the next day I am feeling pretty sad. I, I actually take my little brother and we're, we're watching Jersey Boys directed by Clint Eastwood at a movie theater on 125th mm -hmm. Street. There you go. But, no, that, that, that's not true. We were watching Spider-Man. I was just going to say Spider-Man. Spider I'm, I'm mixing up two, yeah. two memories. Okay. So I'm sitting there. So, we're halfway through Spider-Man. He's been looking forward to it. I get an email from my agents. They want to see you. They want to have you back for a private dance call. And so I look at my brother, who's been looking forward to this movie, and I'm, I'm like, hey, I, I have a, uh, an audition to be at. Can we go, are you okay if we go? And he, I couldn't even get the sentence out of my mouth, and he was out of his chair. He was a kid at the time, by the way. Yeah, he was, you know, Aww. maybe seven years old. Seven, like the cutest oh little baby child. Yes, Aww, like short keep. Let's go work on your audition. And so I get, him, I get him a, a, a plate of halal, and I set him down on the couch, and mm -hmm. I'm running through all the choreography. We go to Chelsea, uh, and I'm, you know, we're sitting in the lobby waiting, and here comes Danny Austin, uh, you know, the associate choreographer. Yes. And he's on crutches, and. You know, he puts me over. And he's like, he, he's like, is that is that your son? I'm like, no, 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 it's my brother. <laughs> and so he sparks up conversation with my brother, and he's like, hey, how you doing? Good, good. How's how's your brother? Is he good? Have you been watching him rehearse? He's like, yeah. How is he? And Carter was like, eh. <laughs> hey, out of yeah, the mouth of babes. Yep. Exactly. That's a pro. It's a pro moment. It was so funny though because everybody got a chuckle, and I went in and I worked with Danny and. Um, and the, the way the story goes is he was, after cutting me the day before, he was in bed. And it was like 11.45 at night. And he sat up in his sleep and he goes, we need to bring that Keith back. And he mm -hmm. called Mary Sugarman and said, we need to bring him back tomorrow. So if it wasn't wow. for that, you know, that moment, that premonition that he had in his sleep, I mean, it, it completely Holy changed my smokes. life. You yeah. know, I, I met my wife. The apartment that, that we bought comes from the money that we made together on Jersey Boys. I mean, that moment in Danny's Austin, Danny Austin's mind changed both mm -hmm. of our lives. Isn't right. it weird in hindsight to be able to run so, so many things weird. back to a, a very so specific one... moment that without that, maybe none of it would ever come to fruition. 
Fuck. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. That's so, beautiful. well, Team Danny, you know, yeah. for like, he, he oh, vouched fixed, for you. Yeah. Oh, that's fixed, the biggest team fixed Danny moments. Oh. Fixed moments. And so, and this was in 2014. Yep. Yeah. Been like okay. June. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, so, well, the Jersey Boys movie came out June 20th, 2014. So, around the same time. The two memories are like a week or two apart. So we were talking about other things that we see on your social media and, of course, talking about your audition story. It seems like today everything is different. Like every, every way of approaching an audition or, or meeting new people has changed and everything is through social media. And on your Instagram, you posted a really meaningful um, post about the Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix that came out last year. So how do you think social media is affecting actors' lives and how, um, just how artistry, like, happens these days. I think it, it should be required watching for everyone who, who is currently living. Um, and, and artists are in this really interesting position where it is a requirement. It's, it's a mandatory tool, entrepreneurs in general. Um, but uh, it, there, there's this story that, you know, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan and... The guest that he was speaking with isn't important, but the story that they were speaking about, they were telling the story about this uh, monk who met a, a physicist from Harvard and ends up in a lab, and he had such incredible control over himself, over his breath. They could put wet blankets on him, and he could increase his body temperature so much that the blankets would dry on top of his body. The water would evaporate out of the blankets. And and the guest was expressing some sadness because he's, he was saying, I don't think that we'll ever see anyone in modern times accomplish anything like this, feats like this. And Joe was like, why? And, and he had a one word answer and his answer was Netflix. And, you know, I, I think the, the answer isn't obviously so much literal. It, it, it's, it's representative of this culture we're living in where we're living in constant distraction, entertainment everywhere. And I'm just as bad. You know, I have this game on my phone that I really have to work not to play on a daily basis. And, and this documentary points out really well how addicted we are to dopamine release um, and how the end, uh, you know, whether it be Silicon Valley or, you know, big business or whatever, but our, the, people have figured out that we are addicted to this dopamine and they're farming our attention. They're literally profiting off of our attention. Um, and I think one of the biggest takeaways from the documentary for me is how important it is to get these dopamine addictions in check. Because if we want to accomplish great things as artists, you know, as scientists, if we want to achieve any kind of innovation or find depth in whatever it is that we do, we really have to separate ourselves from these constant distractions. Um, like I was saying earlier, it's a little bit unusual place uh, that artists find themselves or entrepreneurs because you have to use it as a tool. But I think it's important for us to recognize that it is just that, it's a tool, and not to get so lost in it that it's about, that it becomes about document the, documenting the experience rather than having the experience. Don't you sometimes feel like when you're really living in the moment, you do forget to document it? Constantly. And then yes. All the like, time. Oh, I never took any pictures. Oh, I never. But like, typically that means that you were having the best time. And, and the opposite is like, sometimes when I'm bored or not having the best time, I like, will take pictures of my food or like yeah. take a pic, be like, oh, we should take a picture or, you know, but when you're having the 
best time. You don't even think, I mean, we spent like how many weeks in Europe and I came back with like n no pictures because the whole time we just had the best time. And people were like, where, you didn't post on Instagram. I didn't know you went. And, and it's like, like, thank God yeah, we did it. Exactly. Because what those posts turn into is checking it every 10 minutes. How many people have liked it? Yeah. How many people have liked it? Looking for that dopamine rush every time you, and you're just, you're, you're constantly losing more and more of the experience every time you tune back in with it's true. You're distracted. how much attention have I gotten? Not only by, by capturing the moment, but by seeing the like, Response. It, yeah, it, the impact of the moment. Right. Can I, I, I would like to make an argument to the point where though, sometimes, cause I don't have any pictures of my bar mitzvah, nothing. I don't have any picture. Like my family just stopped taking pictures of experiences and vacations and stuff once I turned ten or eleven, and I have no documentation of any major life events. Mm. And I, 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 I look. I mean, uh, uh, and of course, like I, I mean, I barely have pictures with my friends, and it's not that I don't cherish the good times. I and it's not even having to do with posting them. I I just I want to I want to be able to see those memories also. I totally understand what you mean. And I, really, and I just made the opposite argument, but I understand what you mean. For me, I try to document everything, yeah. but just for myself. I I love the anniversaries. I love looking at like oh well, a year ago today I did this, but but two years ago I did this. Oh my god, that's a sign. So I love doing things like yeah. that. But I do think and she and always puts dates on them too. I always date everything, and but that's. But that's more of like a memoir kind of exactly, idea. and that, right, that, exactly. that's what that that's how I want right. to use it. Like, I, yeah. oh my god, like mm -hmm. I, the song from Avenue Q. I wish I could go back to college. Like, oh, tell always, <laughs> always my but, life. but yeah. not, not we just, just like the, we were just talking about that. Yeah, oh. the, the, the line that Nikki sings. I wish I had taken more pictures. Right. You know, like yeah. that's <laughs> like oh, always, that's so always goosebumps. I mean, mm -hmm. and like. Yeah, you know. so it is kind of unfortunate that we as artists are being sucked deeper and deeper into the pit of social media. But, you know, Leslie Kahn, who is this extremely famous acting teacher in Los Angeles, one of her famous lines is, um, social media is more important to an actor than a bathroom. Two big right. things, followers or you don't exist, pics or it didn't happen. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, right. you know, David, I hope the that worst. you can find more opportunities, you know, to to document things. Cause that, that is super sad. Like, like gone, gone is the art of the, the photo album, you know? And that, Oh my God. That people were so doing it for the right reasons. Albums, mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't about showing it. It was about having it. Sometimes it was about showing it to having. your family, but yeah, right. it's, I, exactly. I, I'm so bad at, at taking, at taking photos like in the moment, but like, honestly, like you, Gia has made me, like conscious of oh, it yeah. and really like even just two seconds yeah just like, like okay, hey just you know, like yeah. exactly right like, yeah and, yeah. and, 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 and that's like, what friends I, are for yeah well, oh no what's true well that's just me I, I i study journalism so it's all about documenting everything but my kids, so you you have gone like back and forth, you know, because you were also doing um, you were doing Beauty and the Beast at one point too. So how did your contract work exactly? When tour two ended. Um, a lot of that company went and opened New World Stages. I moved to Los Angeles to study with Leslie Kahn and did some UCB work. And 
wanted to get a gauge of what that world was like, you know, what the West Coast industry was like. And I loved it. The general consensus was you're going to need to give this about five years. You know, you're whatever I was at the time, 31, 32. Your, your resume is very musical theater based. Um, you know, this, this is going to take a while. And, and looking at my life and looking at, at Jenna, she was, you know, so well established here. And I just wasn't prepared. So I came back to New York City. You know, the, it's a city that's always had my heart. And you pretty much like immediately got back into work. Yeah, and then... Like, you had, like, the best year ever that year. That was a phenomenal year. I, I had a lot of traction. That's really where, you know... Yeah, things kind of things kind of took off. And uh, so I, you know, it, it, it... I was lucky that they just lined up the way they did. The contracts just happened to dovetail each other well. Um, and um, so, let's see, I, I did uh, Evita, uh, Beauty and the Beast at Tut's. Um, the cruise Disney cruise Disney line, cruise which line. was incredible. The Muni, the Muni, Jersey Boys at the Muni was in there, and then and, and then, then seventeen seventy six, and then back to New York. Yeah. <gasps> yes, seventeen seventy six. I saw those pictures. I love seventeen seventy six. I I'm so sad I missed that because I saw I might have like taken a day off from work to see him at no I, no I didn't I actually flew on my day off so at New Worlds we were off on Mon- Tuesdays. When, Tuesdays. Tuesdays? Okay, thank you. Help. <laughs> um, I'm going to be horrible at your games, by the way. Um, so yeah, we were off Tuesdays, and his opening night, I think, was on a Tuesday. So I like flew there for like a day, and then flew back on Wednesday, because I was like, I have to see this. You guys, it was so good. Like, Aww. it was effing magical. And <laughs> I think also, I really wanted to see not only you in it, I thought it was amazing, but we had other friends that were in it. Nick was in it, Mark was in it, and oh, Candy wow. was in it. This is Jersey. We're talking about Jersey yes, Boys. Yeah. Jersey mm-hmm. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was right. like, I want to see the first regional production, and it did not disappoint. It was so amazing. And I think just to. So, like a show that's so close to us to see it done by somebody completely different and what their vision of it was it was so touching like candy and i still joke about like certain moments in the show that i remember that i'm like they were my favorite huge <laughs> ensemble huge oh. mm-hmm. my god well the stage is a football field you know yes, yes. like you have to have 800 people to fill it uh and that's one of the really cool things about about being there. It's just so these, these productions are massive. And they get put together in ten days. You know, it 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 is it is it is a very, very special place. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to work there. I yes, have to Jenna. two things that were my favorite about it. One, they had like, for instance, Tommy and Nick, like in the beginning of the show, you know, they come out and they're already in their suits, like they're already adults and Frankie is a kid they had in this version where they were kids, they were too, kids too or at least yeah. I saw it that I've way seen they were in like the outfits he was in like ke- little kids and like these like rolled up and I was like oh, uh, don't see genius that I've seen that. I've seen pictures of yes. it yeah I feel like you meet them and they're already like who you know they're already adults but what the real truth is like they were scrappy like, not well, kids, but they were scrappy that, young guys, too. That's not necessarily true for the dramaturgy for uh, Nick Massey. Nick Massey had already been... He was a, a vet. True. You know, he, he was pretty... He, I don't know exactly how many years, but he was older than the other ones. He was older, but he still was, like, figuring his shit out. Like, he mm. wasn't... 
And then in Dawn, they have like this really beautiful scene where they showed like four different, or like it was a million because that stage is huge, but like different people in their lives hearing Dawn for the first time on their TV screens. And mm -hmm. it was like, I was sobbing. Yeah, like all the teenage kids at home hearing teenage the music for home, the first like, time. People coming home from war and they're having like a romantic night together. Like, I was like, oh. Yeah, it was oh directed God. by Josh Rhodes. He's. Yeah. He's a very talented dude. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. What's what's interesting no, please keep going. What's yeah. interesting about that about the the costume changes that you were talking about cuz I mean the sh the show starts, you know, almost like immediately post Hall of Fame. You know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and um so with that perspective in mind to see them mm -hmm. in those little in those yeah. younger not immature, but like the innocent, like more more innocent costumes. It's a, mm -hmm. an interesting juxtaposition, yeah. of the and book like and costume design. You could possibly have like before that fame of before seasons. Like that has to change you as a person. There's no yeah. way that couldn't impact your life. Of course, you know? yeah. And so I think just in that simple thing of like a costume change, that story is told mm -hmm. completely differently. Was right. was, was it? Was it hard to forget Sergio's choreography? It had been long enough between when Tour 2 ended oh, and when that okay. production started rehearsing that it had already fallen out of my muscle memory some. Okay. Um, the, the real hard thing was what didn't fall out of my muscle memory was on what words I would make certain entrances. <laughs> oh. so, and the reason why that's important <laughs> is because the Muni stage is so large... Right. I would have to make my entrances 10 or 12 seconds earlier in the script. Oh and it feels God. so weird because you have to start walking, but you're still not in the scene. You're just out there naked walking <laughs> you know, just so you can get to where you need to be. And, and th that, was, that was tricky for me because I would feel like I was making entrances at the wrong time. You know, I was getting little jolts mm -hmm. of adrenaline being like, no, you're making a mistake. And then I'd have to remind myself, right. like, I, have, I, have to, I have somewhere to jazz walk to. We have a question about Francine. Uh, it's how how do you reconcile Francine's death, especially in the movie? You know, there's that beautiful scene that they wrote for John Lloyd Young and for Liz Hunter, that where they're in the diner. Can we get a coke over here? Yeah, get a, yeah. can we get a coke over here? <laughs> and it's like there's so much hope and love instilled, and then she starts crying, and he starts crying. But then, you know, inevitably, we know what happens. Like, how do you reconcile that that journey that she has, which ends in I think her... it's more about, like, what the journey does to Frankie, honestly. I think it's important, obviously, for her story to be told. But I think it's a catalyst to, to really show what this guy is coping with, right? So, like, we see him on stage performing and singing and keeping it all together. Like, despite these crazy people around him, <laughs> we got, like, Tommy having outbursts. We got you having outbursts. Like, Bob's keeping it together, but it's just, you think about, you know, oh, wait, everyone's going through something, right? You never really know until you walk a mile in their shoes. And I think for him, that's part of his, what we need to know that he's, he's coping with. And yet he keeps working. He keeps focused. So I think... It's really more about that in that in the storytelling. You know, I, I try not to get too caught up in like, oh, this is about Francine. I think it's about 
you know, of course she has, she has a battle she's dealing with, but we're all there really to tell Frankie's story and the story of these guys that are overcoming Mm. their own stories. And, um, so yeah, I think when you learn that about him and you're like, Oh my gosh, did anybody know? I don't know. Did they like, did these people that he was spending every second with, did anybody know that this was happening? Did he know? And he didn't tell people you know, and you see that struggle. He checks in every now and again. You see that scene with Mary. Like, he's he's there checking in, touching base. But we all know what it's like to be out working and going after a passion. And for him, he was trying to provide for his family, you know. So I think it's that's really the key element of that conflict. Not one time you're asking me how, how, how my kids are doing, how I'm doing. Right, yeah. Somebody finally exposed the Tommy. Exactly. Right, exactly. yeah. Yeah, because Frankie's the one who's actually trying to put an effort. Yeah. That's definitely an argument. And Tommy's just a free-for-all. Yeah. yeah that's, that's wow, really that's really scary. nice. And yeah. that scene where they're waiting for the phone call, like, where is she? Like, could you freaking imagine having to work under that pressure? No. And it's impossible. Does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a swing. Like, you play 16 different characters, and they're all interacting with Frankie somehow. Um, do you think that there is an arc there? like, Or some kind of of underground underscore story behind um, each character that you play? I think so. I think it's more of an energetic shift. Like, I think it starts out, you get to ease into all of those because all of the conflicts for them kind of happen, like scattered in the show, but all kind of in the center, right? So like you're going through the show, things are fine, things are fine, you have Mary's conflicts. Things are fine, things are fine, you have Lorraine's conflict. Things are fine, you have Francine's conflict. And then the show ends. So I think yeah. energetically, absolutely, mm-hmm. there's there's an arc for everyone. Especially for Francine because for the longest time she was the lead angel. And so that was always a time in the show as Francine where... Oh, wait, oh. she's an angel. And then so she's she was... fallen angel. <gasps> She's always been lead angel in the show Wait. until we switched to New World. And then just, it, it just, for what? whatever reason, didn't work because she was the swing. Uh, and oh, the man. Damn it. They, that, that symbolism Falling is there, whether it was intended or not. That's amazing. I, never, I didn't realize that, that Francine was the lead. Wow. Okay. That's a game. So wow. She really, she wow. really has the <laughs> yeah. hardest show. She really, or she did have the hardest show. But, I mean, that was always the part that I would freak out about because she does not stop. It was, she was go, go, go. So I think energetically, they're all like going like this. Yeah. <laughs> they have their sort of climax moment where something ha- terrible happens and then they all start to slow down in the show. And then they kind of, kind of fall off in that same order. Well, all right, so to pivot a little bit um, to bring both of you guys together again. So you're finally doing Jersey Boys and all the other shows that you're doing. Um, now, of course, if you're looking at your Instagram just to see, like, to learn more about both of you and maybe see what similarities you two have, like, like as the years kind of went on. Um, and you both use the word play um, for any show you're a part of, whether it's a musical or a straight play or whatever you're working on. Um, and Jenna, you used it in your most recent post, um, and Keith, on your Instagram, you said, like, it's a play for a reason, and your favorite players were Aaron Jesus and CJ and Nick Jamar. Um, So I love that play on words. Like, pun intended, again. Play on Aha. words. Yeah, 
so it's like it, it's it's a play, and it's, I, for me, like growing up, I would get so mad when people say, "It's like, oh oh yeah, I saw your play," and I'm like, I was in the you wedding singer. It's a musical. Shut the fuck up. And but, but I really do appreciate the fact that you use the word play um, for a show. So I did. I like did you both... use them for very different reasons? Yeah. What are they? Go ahead. I use mine in the exact way that you said, where it's like everyone's always like, oh, I saw your play. And you're like, bitch, it was a musical. You don't know the difference. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm going, are you going to play practice later? Yeah, play practice. <laughs> so I love, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this, but like obviously, you know, I love nostalgia. Like that's my vibe. I am so tied to the decade that I grew up in and it shaped me as a person. So yes. in that same sense, I still love to sort of like joke like, oh, I'm in the play tonight. And I've always been a swing as well. So I feel like that's something swings always say like, oh, you're in the play tonight as sort of a play to that, like kids in high school saying that, or like, you know, your grandparents not really knowing the difference between a play and a musical. I just love it. It cracks me up. So that's why I use it. I love it. That's great. And Keith, how about you? Yeah. Um, so I think the, the, the way I use it is product of my post Eric Woodall experiences. You know, when I went and really studied theater, took those few years and studied theater and studied the craft of acting and not so much musicals, I grew to think about theatrical productions where I respected the book as a play in a way of separating my tendency in my old life to be musical theater, presentational, you know. It, it helped me ground myself in, um, in the new lessons I'd learned. Um, and, 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 one of those lessons, and one of those lessons was that it is important, the audiences are very intuitional beings. And if there isn't a sense of play in what it is that the actors on stage are doing, they will clock out. They might not know why they're clocking out, but they will get bored. And I mean a sense of play in everything, even emotions that are not necessarily pleasant emotions. If you look back on childhood experiences when we were playing make-believe, you know, insert make-believe game here. Even if you were the angry cowboy chasing the, the criminal, the bad guy, there was a sense of fun in that drama. Um, and that's what m made it, you know, might make it fun to see as an adult watching on. It's that sense of play. But somewhere as we grow up in elementary school, you're taught, you know, growing into an adult, you're not allowed to play anymore. It's not cool to play make-believe. And so as, as older artists, it's our responsibility to remember what that feeling is and, and foster it and, and uh, water it. And so I call it a sense of play as a, a way to remind myself how important it is to be playing all the time like it is um, a bunch of kids on a jungle gym, you know? That, that's why I like to, I, in a literal sense, to play. And I don't think it's a mistake. That, and that's what I meant in, in, my, in my Instagram commentaries. I don't think it's a mistake that it at some point became called a play. Right. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, okay, so to play... And yeah, and and realizing that, and like, and every in the play. right, every book you have like, is is a play, and it's it, and it has yeah. Like, I wouldn't call you know Legally Blonde a play, but <laughs> you know Jersey Boys is a play. Is it? <laughs> That's so funny. Well, in a way, Don't it does come depend for me on Legally Blonde the musical. <laughs> Don't come for me. I okay. Well, then let's talk about it because Legally Blonde. Okay, early two thousands. That's our shit. 
and you Jen and I are very similar. Decoms are my life. What's your favorite one? Um, I think it's a, um, okay. I have a couple, but I think the first one that really connected with me was Cheetah Girls, but I also, yes. a, I'm a diehard for HSM. Yeah, January um, 20th, 2006. Drew Seeley. Boom. And Drew Seeley, fucking Drew I freaked out. Okay, I saw the final show, the closing show on Broadway with Drew Seeley. I swear to God, he was looking right at me. I was like, I forgot he was in the closing cast. I forgot about that. Yeah. They had a, they yeah. Had a really good closing cast. He almost opened the ship. Mm-hmm. But oh, I'll yeah. Have at, I'll have to look at a list of like all the decoms to give you my honest answer. Do so we have time to do a quick game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Cool. Awesome. So, so for all of our... <laughs> For all of our listeners, you know what time it is. (laughs) Here we go. We got two games. We got... Is it one game? It's one game. It's one game. Yeah. We're doing one game. (laughs) We have... Well, it's either finish that line or or like fill in the blank. Yeah. So it's like... Well, that's exactly exactly what that is. Um, (laughs) It's... it's, It's We're giving you a line. line and either you're going to tell us like... Um, yeah, either a true or false question, or... Well, so um, we have a who said it. A, yeah. Well, no, no, it's not. It's, I feel like who like said it. Oh! I like, yeah. I like true or false. <clears throat> I like true, yeah, or, false true or false or fill in the blank. Oh, okay, right. Okay, great. Okay, so... Hopefully, are you guys familiar with the movie enough? Try us. Try. <laughs> okay, well, okay, then this might give it away. Um, it's a Lorraine line, and... In the, in the show, her line is, I'm never going to be first in line. I'll always be standing behind Tommy and Bobby and Nikki and Charlie. And is that line the same in the movie? Ooh. True or false? Does it, like, the movie lists the same people. True or false? False. Yeah, I'm going to go with false, too, just because you're asking. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, no, right. I just I so, vaguely do you, remember okay. that. Do you know who it would, who it would have changed to? What is was it Tommy, Bobby? Mm-hmm. N- Wait, Tommy, Bobby, Nikki, Charlie? No. Mm-hmm. So it was Tommy, Bobby, Nikki, and Joey. Is it a pro? Joey. Joey. Okay. Interesting. Joey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because because. Right. I feel like he Well, because Joe Pesci had more lines. Well, because they gave him so many more scenes in the movie. True. And we interviewed Joey Russo, too. So we talked about how everything was added in his, like, in his script, which is cool. Um, yeah, yeah okay, so, correct, it was false, great job, you got a point, awesome, <laughs> yay! and yay, and Dougie's gonna go next. Okay, so, here we go, chime in if you know it. So it goes, when I was a kid, we were going through hard times, my mother would say, this too shall pass. What I came to realize was, it cuts both ways. The bad passes, but also, but also the good. The good. Hey! Yay! Good job! <laughs> that was great. Teamwork. Okay. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Perfect. Yay. Hug your teammate. Oh, good night. Nice. Well, we have two more left. Ooh, do you want to do two more? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. These are the harder ones. Okay. Ooh. Two more. So, Jenna, this is a um, this is a Francine line. Ready? Okay. Yeah. So when so it's like I know, I know you're working. You're sa- you're slaving away on the road so you can give us a good life. I heard it. How many times? Heard it a million times. So it's actually a billion times with a B oh. when I was looking at the script. Like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a harder that, one. That makes more sense. <clears throat> that rolls off the tongue easier. It does. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it a billion times. times. I feel like yep. also what like 
that's the perfect thing for a person that age to say. Right, exactly. Like, oh, the exaggeration. A billion times. Yeah, but <laughs> right. Billion, you know, it's like I heard a gajillion times. A gajillion. A gajillion. <laughs> yep. Or a zillion. Okay. It's fine. I don't get that point. I don't it's deserve fine. it. Well, it's like Zetas the Petas. It's so it's too much. Zetas the Petas. Yeah. Oh, what's that from? Xenon. That's Xenon what I was gonna pres- say. I just said it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Literally every year for Halloween, I'm like, I'm gonna be Xenon every year. It's never a Xenon. Oh my god! Okay, this Halloween, if, wait, I'll, I'll do it with you. Or I, I, can we, that can we'll be fun. We'll be double Xenons. Great. Perfect. That'd be awesome. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Let's finish that line. Okay? Right. He could have been, I don't know, Quincy Jones, Don Costa, like that. But instead, he just walks away. I could never figure it out. We had something going on there. And then, I don't know. Maybe it's like the guy said. Go ahead. Some are born great. Some have greatness thrust upon them. I know the rest. Some achieve Achieve greatness. greatness, And and then then fuck fuck it up. up. Woo! There we go. You guys are doing better than everybody. Guys, this is like totally, we're helping each other. There you go, teamwork, teamwork. Good teamwork, teamwork. awesome. Good teamwork. Okay, now I got all the sentences. Sandwiches. (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Perfect. (laughs) We do have one more, but it's like a weird one. Should we do it? Yeah. Okay. Is bribing an officer a class A felony or a class B felony? (laughs) In the state of Ohio. B. Correct. Correct. Yay! Jenna, you are our champion. Urgency. MVP. MVP. Urgency. Urgency. Exactly. So I think this is a perfect time, a perfect place to end this wonderful, wonderful interview. Guys, it was so lovely. Thank you for having us. Yay. Broadway Bays. Um, Everyone follow Keith Hines. And we just talked about social media. True. <laughs> you, you can follow if you want, but don't expect a whole lot of content. <laughs> yes. Follow On the other hand, times. I will be serving you content, so follow yes. along. Yes. Um, you, uh, Keith, your handle is? At Keith Hines Jr. At Keith Hines Jr. And Jenna, your handle is? J Show XO. J Show XO. Perfect. Yep. And is my name at Jersey Boys. Yes, and thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's! Happy Day, y'all! Silhouette's Daily Podcast. Listen to us everywhere. Yes, love, love is love is love. Listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker. Follow us on Instagram at Silhouettes JV Podcast underscore. underscore. Follow us on Facebook, Silhouettes JV Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Silhouettes JV Podcast. Group. Yes, we're lonely. We need the love in the group, people. Hello. Please. And the group. One, one more yes. final. Is our final sign up. Asalu. 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 Asalu.